Hi, this is Jay Baer of Convince and Convert Consulting, and welcome to the new Content Experience Show. Content Experience is the new content marketing. It's not only about reaching audiences where they are, but engaging them with personalized, useful content that matters. On the Content Experience Show, we share strategies, tips, and real-world examples of how leaders are taking their content marketing to the next level. Now, here's your hosts, Randy Frisch from Uberflip and Anna Harak from Convince and Convert Consulting. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Content Experience Show podcast. I'm Anna Harak from Convince and Convert. Now, ordinarily, I would say that I'm here with the amazing Randy Fresh from Uberflip, but he and the rest of his team are actually in the process of moving offices right now. So it is just you and me this week. We're actually flying this one solo. Um, thankfully, I was actually joined by my very good friend, the amazing Mike Korak, who is vice president and general manager of DAC Group in Louisville. Now, we talk about a lot of really great stuff this week. And it's a lot of stuff that we haven't talked about on the Content Experience Show before. We talk a lot about personalization and local search. And we talk about getting people all the way through that customer journey with a brand And then kind of forgetting as marketers that there's still more to go just because we've gotten them to the point of conversion or to the point of purchase doesn't mean that they're actually going to convert. So we talk a little bit about how that experience at the end is actually so critical and even just how localized content and local search content efforts can really just help brands grab some of that low hanging fruit. Now, in addition to that, we also talk a lot about content organization and content teams. And one of the things I think you're really going to love hearing about from Mike is how even though he has this huge fancy pants vice president GM title, he is still very much involved in the day to day. And he has some great advice for everybody out there who is taking a next step up in their career or um, content directors who are heading up into VP positions or even content uh, creators who are heading up into manager roles. He has a lot of great advice for how you can still sort of take that huge step up without really losing the edge that you have and really losing the understanding of the day-to-day. So it's a great show today. Let's go ahead and bring Mike in. Mike, thank you so much for joining us today on the Content Experience Show. I am so excited to have you here because you are one of my favorite people in the world. But just so everybody else can get to know the Mike Korak we all know and love, would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. What a sweet compliment. I'm a big Anna Harak fan as well. Um, hello, everybody. I am <laughs> I am Mike Korak. I, I am the VPGM of DAC Group's Louisville office, and we run uh, the agency's business for everything south of Chicago, coast to coast. And for those not familiar with us, we specialize in performance marketing online and work with clients where location matters. Uh, most of our clients have some sort of physical footprint and uh, need to transact both online and offline. So you just kind of dropped a massive title on everybody. But one of the things that I think everybody needs to know is how even though you are VP and you are general manager of DAC's Louisville office, you can get down into the weeds and you know how to pull the levers just like um, any practitioner does. How have you managed to really balance sort of 
you know, growing into this VP position and overseeing all of your teams while still really not losing that day to day? Good question. Yeah. So while I'm fortunate enough to be old enough where uh, I can remember where this internet thing started. So my first position was essentially project manager for website builds. And back in those days, we were talking to clients about why having a website might be smart um, and uh, all the all the things that go along with that. Right. So, so uh, before everybody had a URL. Uh huh. Right. Exactly. And what is a URL? And and maybe your uh, our mutual friend Jay Bear had. I, what did he have? I think he had Guinness.com. Did, he, did you ever hear that story? That's a good one. Um, if you haven't, you need to ask him about that. Yeah. Yeah, I did. How basically that was back in the day when URLs were just available and brand names were just up for grabs. That's right. And and Guinness flew him and his buddy out for a tour of the facility in exchange for the URL. Um, that's a good good story to ask him about. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I've I've kind of come up in the industry having my hands down down in the weeds doing the work and and it's always been a philosophy of mine that staying close to it or at least close enough to know how it's done will help you in all kinds of conversations. Um, today, most of my involvement with clients is uh, helping to kind of design the strategies with the teams, you know, explaining what that is to the to the people who write the checks and making sure it ties to business and and uh, all that kind of stuff. But to do that, I've got to stay close enough to understand what the teams are putting together um, and kind of gut check it. So. I, I try to stay involved on that level. Um, I'm not on every planning meeting with the teams. I'm not necessarily in all the delivery meetings, but I'm definitely looking at reports and prepping for presentations and staying close enough to it so I can understand if we're going to move the needle or not and deliver on the contracts that we're signing. Nice. So for a lot of content creators who are kind of taking that next big step up or even content managers that are becoming directors, directors who are becoming VPs. How do you how do you sort of help them understand how important it is to really understand how to pull the levers and knowing which levers to pull um, without sort of micromanaging your team and getting involved in their business still and still being able to sort of have that 50,000 foot view of everything that's going on because it's no easy task. So how do you accomplish it? Yeah, and and you know this from working together. I'm a big believer in planning. So uh, I want to see, you know, as we work with clients and, and kind of onboard them. I like to see an annual plan. What are we going to do? Um, you know, mapping out uh, opportunities based on the research we're doing with them, all that kind of stuff from, from really from the get-go. So I think it's super important to be able to have an idea of what the work looks like three months, four months out. And through that, it forces you to ask a lot of questions. What are we going to do, not just tomorrow, but what are we going to do down the road and what do we need from clients and all that kind of stuff. So that's a, that's a good place, I think, for a manager to play and and stay relevant. Um, your team will teach you what you don't know on the day to day. If if there's a new Google beta or you know a new great new content tool or or that kind of thing, and so so you can stay fresh that way. But if you stay in the planning phase, you know that you're going to you know get the business questions, and I think that's where a you know a manager can really help the most. I think I think it's easy to lose sight in our business and and really focus on kind of 
shiny objects and the new things that are coming and and forget that we're you know there's still an end goal for the clients that we work with you know whether it's a sale or getting a lead or or uh you know driving awareness whatever that business reason is we want to make sure that we're still we're still moving the needle there and that's a that's a great place for a manager to stay relevant i also think on that level you're probably uh you know working with clients to some degree um you're you're you know, most likely having some senior level business conversations and helping them tie the knots is important too. You want them to be able to internally defend the programs, uh, be able to explain what's going on, make sure they keep their budget, that kind of stuff. And that, that keeps you around a while too. So there's some self-serving reasons to be relevant on, on, uh, that level. But I think, I think that's a, that's a great place for managers, directors, um, VPs to, you know, stay connected with their teams. I love that. So basically like hire smart people, Mm -hmm. get out of their way, trust them and ask really smart questions. Pretty much. Yeah. And, and, and go to some of those client meetings, you know, be, be face to face on it uh, when it makes sense. And, uh, you know, make sure that you're accountable to them uh, too. You know, I think, I think having that senior level contact at the client is, is always really, really important. And if you can give the elevator speech about the program you're running with them and what it's going to do, that's, that's, a nice place for you to play and you don't really get in the way of the teams when you do that too. So you bring up a really good point about going to client meetings. And I think especially in the agency environment, you know, I came from the agency environment as well. Obviously, you and I work together. Mm -hmm. One of the things I think, unfortunately, sometimes as agency people, we get so caught up, at least on the delivery side, we get so caught up with, you know, making recommendations of the client and, you know, creating programs that we think are going to be best that sometimes we really forget to think from the client's perspective. So based on your experience and, you know, sitting in in all these meetings and sort of being in the middle of the client and the delivery teams, what would you say to content teams who are maybe thinking too much about delivery? Um, And if you could spin it around and help them sort of see from the client's perspective, what would you say to them? Like, what's some advice you would give? Yeah, that's a, it's a good question. And I, I like how you frame that to sort of spin it around and put your put yourself in their shoes. Um, even if you have a client uh, contact that's got a content title, they're still accountable to some sort of you know, business metrics. So that's, that's really the way I think you can rally that conversation and, and make sure it's, it's relevant to them. Uh, you know, they've, they've likely fought for budget at that point, put something together internally to sell the idea of good content program and what it's going to do, uh, do for them. Um, and I think, I think where delivery teams, uh, especially on the agency agency side can get caught off guard is they, you know, like you're saying, are focused on, you know, what's due on Friday and what do I need to get it done, that kind of thing, but aren't always thinking about what's this going to actually produce and make sure that uh, you're having the business impact that you need to, because that's the part keeps your bills paid and <laughs> might be, might be the, might be the most important. I know, I know just that little thing. So, you know, clients love, especially in the content game, boy, don't they love production. It's hard to do right and when you're helping them in volume or work you know even if it's just on the content strat side creating really smart plans and tying it all together that has has big value but at some point somebody with a finance title is going to look at that contract and say hey did we get that much business from this money that we spent um and if the answer is no you you probably are replaced at some point so um you know 
asking your your contact, hey, when you go to your weekly department meeting, what are they talking about? <laughs> how are you, how are you being held accountable to this? That's those are those are the really important questions I think to make sure that you can answer those and your your delivery teams know the answer to those too. Yeah, I think it's it's so funny how especially on the agency side, I think sometimes we forget that it's not just our job to deliver amazing work and to help clients achieve their goals, but it's about, you know, really making our clients look like rock stars to their internal teams too, and just how far that can get you. Yep. No doubt about it. That's the trick. All right. So last question before we jump into a quick break here to hear from our sponsors. Um, when it does come to producing content for clients, um, obviously, you know, sometimes it can be a little bit expensive. And I think some clients are a bit unprepared for how much that content execution actually costs. So what are some tips that you would impart onto content teams for how to better sell content and justify that expense to clients? Yep. Great question. So um, I I keep going back to this planning uh, crutch. Are you surprised? Um, But let's start there. It is true. And that's the place to start the conversation, right? So when I'm uh, either involved directly or coaching my teams on that, we like to set some of those expectations way up front. In fact, we may even do it in the sales process uh, to, to really understand, you know, help them understand what it's going to take. Because the you and I have both been there. The last thing you want to do is have a awesome content strategy that you know would work. And then you find out they have a budget to execute on about 10% of it. Mm-hmm. And if you knew... I know, right? And if you knew it up front, you would make a plan that would uh, do something with that 10% budget. Um, but but if you uh, have unrealistic expectations, they can't do it. It ends up being just great ideas on paper. Um, so what I what I like to make sure uh, is happening is that those expectations are set up front. And it's, it's not just content production, right? We have to think about, um, in most cases, some sort of, uh, you know, media behind it or, you know, promotional kind of budget too that may go with it. So we like to talk about the campaigns that might happen um, as as they're uh, designed um, to and talk about uh, different ideas on how to, you know, both produce and promote and really get that stuff on paper so they know. And if you can get ahead of it, even if you don't know what the campaigns are and you can, you can just make them, you know, be marks on a calendar um, and, and put some general budget around them, uh, it really helps them on their side. And, you know, as you know, most companies you work with can't just come up with uh, money. They, they need to justify it in some way too. So if you can give them a head start, quarter, two, three out, and they know sort of what, um, you know, is coming down uh, the pipe, I think you set them up for success too. And uh, you can at least alleviate some of those um, concerns that might come up. And then, you know, I like to let people know what's behind it. So I like to be transparent around hours, you know, say, okay, if we make a video, you know, here's, here's kind of what that looks like for something you're talking about. It usually takes this much time. And, and if you can show them the effort behind it, that's a lot of times, uh, if, especially if your client contact comes from the content world in any way, they can, they can grasp onto that. And that's something that, that, uh, makes the price tag not feel so big, um, because they can, they can understand what that effort is. Okay. We need a brief. We need, you know, we need this, these different components of it. We're gonna have to pay for talent, that kind of thing. Um, it, it helps them, I think, justify it too. And then worse come to worse, if they don't, uh, if, if they're still having a hard time with it, I like to compare, some of that effort against some some of the other things they may be doing. So let's say you've got a client that has uh, commercials. You can say, hey, what does one of those commercials cost you? 
this thing could probably drive you similar impact and it may cost 5% of that or 10% of that, right? So, so putting it in relative terms sometimes helps too and may, may plant some seeds on where they can get the budget if the budget's fixed. Nice. I love that. So obviously planning, um, I think we've, we've talked planning. Now, one of the things that we're going to do, so we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors, but Mike, hold that thought because when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about how you guys are actually doing this at DAC and how um, you're doing content. So everybody hang in there real quick. We're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. And we're going to come back and talk to Mike Korak a little bit more about content and how his team executes. Okay, everyone, can we talk for a quick second about how transcribing your own audio files really sucks? It's seriously time consuming and it's really tedious work. Thankfully, there's Rev. Rev takes the hassle of converting your audio files to text by providing fast and affordable transcription for just $1 per minute. Seriously, $1 per minute. And not only that, there are no minimums and no contracts to sign. That's done by real people, not software. They have a transcript in your inbox with 99% accuracy in 12 hours or less. Their transcriptionists even sign NDAs if needed, and files are securely stored and transmitted. But the best part of all is that they're offering $10 off your first transcription or captions order. All you have to do is go to rev.com slash social pros and your $10 offer will be added to your new account. That's rev.com slash social pros for $10 off. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We are here with Mike Korak, who is VP and general manager of DAC's Louisville office. So Mike, when we, um, before the break, we were talking about, you know, planning and helping to justify budgets and things like that. But what I would love to talk about is you had mentioned at the start of the call that you and your team are actually creating content for clients who have both digital and physical presences, which is super, super interesting because, I don't think we talk a lot just in general as an industry and as content creators about localized content enough, but your team is doing that pretty much every day, right? Yeah, it's it's uh, definitely part of our DNA. Um, the agency came up through the print business and uh, got quickly into map channels, those kind of things in the late 90s, early 2000s. And then, you know, from there, it was natural to grow capabilities in search and, you know, uh, content creation and promotion and that kind of stuff. All the, all these things that ended up getting under this performance umbrella. Um, but yeah, through, through that, a lot of our clients just became, you know, retailers or, uh, uh, you know, people in the financial fields, medical, those kind of things where there was some sort of transaction, you know, face to face and and a need to promote that online. So when you talk about localized content, maybe you can help clarify. Um, you're talking about things like local search, right? And listings and things like that. Yeah. Which is so important because it it's not typically considered part of like the quote unquote content ecosystem. I feel like it gets forgotten about a lot. Is that just me or are you seeing that too? Yeah, for sure. And it's an, it's an afterthought on top of it. So a lot of times it's a whole different team uh, that's, that's, you know, with content needs that may not have been included in a content strategy, uh, you know, or planning up front. So a lot of times what you'll find is, you know, very generic, not well thought out content that's plugging holes on on the, those levels. And the disappointing part about that is 
you know, oftentimes for a consumer, that's the first touch point and maybe the most important. You know, you you've got your phone out and you're trying to find a store, right? Or or you want to call somebody, and you know, that's that's where that the beginning of some sort of transaction is going to take place. So when you're not taking advantage of of uh, all the content opportunities on that level, you're you're kind of missing that first impression opportunity in many many cases at least at least closer to the bottom of the funnel where you're gonna start transacting um, and it's and it, there's a lot more to it too right you've got search and you've got these listings but you know it quickly gets to a website you know think of all the money everybody's spending in media for you know paid search and and uh, social right these are these are all pretty you know these are all places that enter into core content pretty quick so that connection to it is pretty important too well, and what's crazy too is it seems like, you know, whenever, you know, we go to conferences and whenever, you know, a lot of times content marketers talk about content or content strategists talk about content, we're talking a lot about either core content or like product content or really high funnel content. But isn't it, and I don't have the exact stat on me, I really wish I did, but isn't it something ridiculous like 90% of people that hit a local listing or hit um, a search listing or sorry, a local search listing are pretty much ready to buy it's something ridiculous like that, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's super low on the funnel. Yeah, and it is. I, kn- I know what stat you're talking about. I think it's I think it's ninety percent have intent at that point. And then, uh, you know, gosh, I saw a stat the other day that said uh, nearly fifty percent of some companies' transactions are are you know have that touch point um, involved, which is pretty wild. Well, and it's crazy to think that that's one of the most forgotten pieces of content that we create is that sort of like, oh, you know, it's a Yelp listing or, oh, it's a Google Places listing or Google Maps, you know, but it's like if 90% of the people, and again, this is not a, the exact stat, but, you know, if that intent is so high, it's such low hanging fruit to just grab and create such a great experience for them. Yep, no doubt. And you and I have done this before, right? You know, print print out a bunch of those touch points and throw them on a table and put them next to your content strat and your your uh, you know your core content and see how they match up. And a lot of times they don't. Um, and that's a that's a big big opportunity for content strategists out there to kind of think about, hey. Let me really understand every touch point I've got with somebody and that their journey from from maybe that listing or that you know landing page through to uh, you know a question being answered or a transaction or some other engagement and then let's see if we're telling the same story and I think you'll find a lot of times you're not. Well, and it's funny too to think you know speaking of that customer experience where if you were to take every care and consideration to get them to purchase or up to that purchase point. And then just all and say like, okay, well, they want to purchase, so they're good to go. But if that that purchase and that, you know, finding a store or even getting to a physical location or, um, you know, just finding the information, that final piece of information they need is so difficult, they could completely abandon still. They haven't, you know, they haven't officially purchased yet. So to just abandon them right before that seems kind of silly. Without a doubt, right? And that's a, that's a place where, you know, smart digital people will also kind of vulture um, traffic from others too, right? If you see, if you see somebody's not doing some basics like buying their brand name, you know, or or making sure that they're that they're showing up in a map channel, you know, you you could have already paid three four times for touch points to get them that far, and you know, to have a black hole there's there's is pretty interesting and. 
what we'll see. And we do a two for some of our clients <laughs> um, when it makes sense. <laughs> but that's a good that's a good place to either create some content um, and try to insert it in that part of the journey, even if it's for another brand or buy a brand name and paid search or use some of those tactics, right, to to go basically find those people that that are are ready, um, but may not be able to find the competitor's brand in some way or engage with it. And then, you know, offer them up something very similar from somebody they may have heard of. And, and a lot of times that's some of the most efficient um, traffic that you can get because those people are ready to buy. So in terms of team structure and organization, how does this typically look? If you sort of had your wish list or your dream team put together, how would this sort of work itself either into existing departments or how would you structure a department to support some of this local content? Sure. That's a, that's a great question. So um, not on like uh, other campaigns, if you've got a client that's willing, um, we would still want to start with, you know, some a really good uh, research phase up front that would that would lead into, you know, a good content strategy and, and customer experience um, sort of plan. And I know that sounds crazy, even if it's for something like search, but uh, to understand, you know, customer experience and touch points and what people want is really critical. And and if you can do that, then it can really inform um, the kind of content you're gonna you're gonna make. Um, a layer that goes on top of that when you're when you're thinking that way would be local too. So, you know, how do you make, uh, you know, a, a quick serve, you know, restaurant stand out from a local, you know, what, what are a local restaurant, what are, you know, some of the things that can happen in the content arena to, to do that. So uh, if you can really understand the customer and then, then make it relevant to the area in some way, there's, there's a lot of opportunity to, to win. So, you know, long story short there, I think, I think starting with a good research phase and, and uh, also auditing and looking at competitors and looking for holes um, is, is all part of that process. And it's, you know, I like to say local is really just a lens. If you can, you still have all the tactics there that you can use uh it's it's just a matter of you know really planning it through on that level and then and then you know working your way up to sort of core content and those strategies too and making sure that those those stories um are all uh really working together and then you know i think i think once you get through that sort of auditing and planning phase that's when you bring in the tactical people you know and you can you can really ask hey seo person what where do you need content you know here's here's sort of the strategy we're thinking about let's make sure that you get your order in and you know uh local listings you know team where where the places where that we can impact um you know, with content you know where where are you planning on sending that traffic you know media teams here's here's sort of the story what do you think you can buy what sort of stuff are you going to need and and uh, really make sure everybody's putting their order in so if you go that route content you know and, and customer experience first you uncover a lot of opportunities and you end up tying the story together better if you start what most people like most people do at just the tactic um you'd lose that opportunity to think a little bit bigger and then you really just fill in fill in holes you know what where you know what can i do okay a listing's got a you know a place for a video and some images and i can put this description in. okay let's let's go go somebody go fill those in right yeah. So a good first step for anybody who's not doing this is to literally just find those gaps, find maybe what's not optimized, find those missing videos, missing images. And then obviously, as they take steps, actually bringing multiple teams together to really build out that experience, right? I think so. That's 
that's the way to do it. Yeah. And, and I think you get a, a lot further quicker uh, when you take that sort of approach. Cause again, a lot of these teams are disjointed, you know, the, the person in charge, especially on the client side and in charge of some of these things may not ever talk to, you know, uh, a strategist internally. It, it, it can literally be, you know, Hey, I'm in charge of SEO and, you know, I've got these parts, you know, in the responsibility funnel, I'm going to fulfill them and go. And, you know, if they don't get to talk to the content strap person, um, there's a big miss on both sides. For sure. No, I love it. And I think, um, you know, this is just something and, and Mike, I'm so glad you were able to come on and talk to us about this today because localization and local content is just not something that I think our industry talks about enough. Um, and especially its importance within the sort of customer journey, especially if you wouldn't mind, um, we would love to have you stick around for just a little bit longer. Now that we got to know a little bit about you on the professional side, we're going to ask you some personal questions. How's that sound? Look out. I'm ready. Awesome. All right. Um, After this break, we're going to come back and we're going to talk to Mike a little bit more about his personal side. All right, Mike. So I know you pretty well from working with you in the past. Um, I don't think we clarified this before, but you were actually my boss at one point, which um, I'd like to just say now, I'm sorry. I, I hope you're not actually. <laughs> oh, I loved working with you. I don't know. You're, you're like, I'm, I'm kind of sorry, but it's your fault. <laughs> um, I'll just blame all my bad habits on you and then it's all good. So I know you pretty well, but I would love for everybody to get to know you better as well. So we have a couple of personal questions for you. First... One of the things that I do know about you is that you love to travel and you take a massive vacation every year. Huge, huge vacation. We do. That's a true story. Yes. And it's like about two weeks, right? Yes. Yeah. That's that's the uh, that's the rule in our house. And um, as you know, my wife as well, she likes to make sure I go somewhere far where I can't be on my phone or doing emails or those kind of things too. Um, so we actually have family time, uh, which, is, which is important. Nice. And you also know that one of our mutual friends goes with us that has the same problem I do. So uh, his, his family's pretty into that plan as well. For sure. It's yeah, it's it's a really important to get some of that time out and break time in there. Let's say somebody handed you plane tickets for you and your family to go anywhere in the world right now. Where would you go? You know where I've been wanting to go, and I haven't been able to convince the rest of this crew for it yet. But uh, I want to go to South America, and I've just not been. Um, and I've been to most of uh, the rest of the world, um, but uh, I haven't spent much time there. And and uh, I think I think the uh, extreme weather differences and different cultures that I haven't been exposed to are pretty interesting. So um, I hate to say it because I don't like doing those kind of things, but maybe like a park cruise or something so you could see a few different ones or at least give me um, a big giant van where I can drive everybody uh, around would be good. But but it's so it's so big. Yeah, our normal plan of just driving around would be would be a little tricky there, I think. Yeah, and you know, I've actually heard that some of those multi-day cruises are getting better where you get to spend more time like in the cities you actually get to visit, so maybe they have one for South America. Yeah, maybe they do. Yeah, I just need a lot of dramamine and uh um yeah, and and hugs to get through it. Yeah, I have a little queasy stomach, but we we figured it out. All right. So, aside from getting uh, seasick, um maybe one of the things you could do in addition to dramamine is listen to music because you are a massive music nerd, so maybe some music would help calm you down, right? So Yeah, I think it would, yeah. Yeah. Um so obviously, I know you're a big vinyl fan, and you mm-hmm. pretty much post, I think pretty much every weekend you post what you're listening to. 
Um, and it's always something new and different and amazing. But what is your all-time favorite go-to band? Oh my god, that's impossible. One band for real of all, all time. Like, like, okay. So what is the scenario? I, I have to. It's just who I like the best, or is it? Is it one of those on a desert island? Or oh man, now oh well, now you threw me for a loop too. Okay, let's go. Um, you are stuck on a desert island, and you can only bring one album with you. One record. Okay. Yeah. You find like a coconut and like some pine, like some palm needle that you get to play the record with. Yeah, I would. Okay. That's tricky, tricky. And I'm going to give you kind of a boring answer. Um, but, but I think it's, it's a true story. So I would probably bring, um, something without lyrics. Cause I think that would drive me crazy. Um, for that long. You could make up your own lyrics too. You could, right? So something instrumental, I'm probably going to go with something like jazz because that keeps, um, uh, gets your brain moving. Um, you actually could do a little daydreaming. So I'm going to go, I think I go John Coltrane, Blue Train as my choice. Nice. Yeah. All right. Nice. Well, uh, literally Mike drop, um, both a pun on your name and the record. So, um, Mike, thank you so much. Mm -hmm. That is all the time that we have for today. Unfortunately, I know this goes so fast, but it was so fantastic to have you on and hear your perspective about local content and managing teams. Really appreciate all the insight you provided. Well, thanks so much. I think you have a great show going and uh, I'm honored to be on. So thank you for the opportunity. Definitely. Thank you so much. All right, everybody. On behalf of Randy Frisch at Uberflip, I'm Anna Harak from Convince and Convert. This has been Connex, the Content Experience Show podcast. You can find this podcast pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts these days, including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and at contentexperienceshow.com. Just do us a favor. When you do find us, leave us a message and let us know what you love and what you'd like to hear from the show. We love your feedback. Until next time, thanks so much for tuning in and we'll talk to you all next week. This is Jay Bear, and thanks for listening to the Content Experience Show. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentexperienceshow.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. That's contentexperienceshow.com. The Content Experience Show is sponsored by Convince and Convert Consulting and by Uberflip. It's produced by my team and I at Convince and Convert. If you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show, just go to convinceandconvert.com.